Hello and welcome to Fertility Springboard, the podcast series brought to you by Fertility Help Hub. I'm Eloise, founder of Fertility Help Hub, and over the series, I will be bringing you conversations with some of the most influential and inspiring professionals and experts around the world to arm you with useful and empowering thoughts and resources to ease your fertility journey. And don't forget to sign up to the newsletter to make sure you don't miss out on anything. It's packed full of inspiring interviews, resources, discounts and offers, competitions and real life stories. Today I'm speaking to Linny from Linspired.Living who is raising awareness around miscarriage. Hi Linny, how are you today from sunny LA? <laughs> Hi Eloise, I'm doing great. As you mentioned, the weather's great here today. I am quite jealous of the weather. It's not quite the same in London. <laughs> we do have summer year-round, so it seems. Yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you for joining um, me today. And um, for those of you who don't yet follow you or know much about your story or where you are um, in your conception journey, please could you introduce yourself and um, tell us a bit more about you? Yes. Um, so my name is Lenny, and I have had three miscarriages. And, um, you know, it's interesting because I used to uh, say just losses. I had a hard time even saying the word miscarriage because there can be a lot of, uh, um, you know, taboo, I guess, around that topic. Um, And so it took me some time to make peace with saying that word itself. And um, I have found that the more I say it, the easier it gets to talk about it um, and the more normal it becomes. Um, So I had uh, three miscarriages and have learned a lot in the last uh, year since I started my journey towards trying to become a mother. Um, I have something called APS. It's antiphospholipid syndrome. It's a blood clotting disorder. And women who have this have about a 70 to 80% chance of either a miscarriage or stillborn if they're not uh, medically monitored. Um, So it took me some time to figure that out. Um, You know, lots of, lots of testing, lots of doctor's appointments. um, And like I said, three losses, but we finally know what, what the issue seems to be. Um, and now we're working towards getting a plan together so that the next time we try, hopefully we'll have better luck. Um, oh, I'm so sorry for your losses. And um, I, I am pleased that you have hopefully found um, what might be the root cause um, so that it can be hopefully treated. I mean, when you've been experiencing these losses or miscarriages, um, do you feel like they have felt, what have the emotions been like? Has it felt the same each time or has it felt different? Well, I'm so glad that you asked that. Um, Each experience has been different. Um, The first time I felt, um, I was very confused about how to feel. I didn't know um, how to gauge my own feelings. It was completely new territory Uh, something I was completely unprepared for. So I didn't know how to feel. And none of my feelings really made sense. I didn't know how to verbalize them. I didn't know how to express them. I didn't know how to tell my husband even exactly what I was feeling. Um, 
I just knew that I felt lonely and lost and confused and like I was missing something. Um, but it's so hard to express what it feels like to miss something that's not tangible, um, if that makes sense. But I think that even though it took me about three or four months to start to come to again, I went through grieving because I was 10 weeks. Um, and I think that because of that, I felt like I was so close to the safe zone, uh, you know, as they say, the 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And I really thought um, I didn't have any symptoms uh, that I was going to have a miscarriage. So I really thought everything was going to be okay. And it was a complete shock. I had some grieving that I needed to go through. But even though I grieved, I still felt very hopeful because I've heard of many women having miscarriages the first time and then going on to have a perfectly normal pregnancy the second time. And I thought, okay, that's going to be me. Um, The odds of having recurrent miscarriage is a lot lower than just one miscarriage. So I thought, okay, let's be up. Optimistic. Um, next time will be better. And I took uh, prenatals and things like that, and uh, kept trying to focus on nourishing my body and preparing myself for another pregnancy. And we actually waited nine months before we tried again because we were in the midst of planning a wedding. Wow! <laughs> my husband, um, and it's so interesting in hindsight now because I initially wanted to try right away, and he. you know, kind of said, okay, honey, sure, just to let me get through my moment. And then when I was normal again, and, uh, you know, better to talk to, he had a talk with me and said, maybe let's wait till after the wedding, because God forbid, if this happens again, I don't want you to feel this way at our wedding. Um, And, you know, I thought, okay, he's right, I should focus on the wedding and, and do that. So we waited nine months. Um, and our we got pregnant at our wedding, actually, um, which seemed like a dream come true. I thought, okay, um, this is going to make up for that loss. And this is life giving back to us. Uh, We were just so excited. It seemed so perfect. And then about six weeks or so later, I started to spot and we were tracking my um, HCG levels because of the fact that I had um, experienced some miscarriage before. And I had some complications after the first miscarriage. I ended up in the hospital because of uh, bleeding. But again, my doctor thought, uh, you know, it was a fluke and she wasn't sure that it meant that I had any kind of blood disorder, blood cleanse. Sorry, Lenny, were you seeing um, a reproductive endocrinologist at this point? So at that point, no. Um, I was only seeing my OB, OBGYN. Mm-hmm. So we hadn't done, you know, we were under the assumption after the first miscarriage that um, it was just a fluke and that the next time would be better because also um, there were no abnormalities in the um, tissue from the DNC that we did from the first miscarriage. So there was no indication that I should have had a miscarriage, um, which happens to many women actually. Um, And so my doctor just said, well, you know, it was very unfortunate, but I think next time we'll be fine. Um, But just to kind of backtrack a little bit, I had some complications with bleeding. um, And 
you know, she thought a lot of times after you give birth or you have a miscarriage, your period um, fluctuates. It takes some time to balance itself out again. And I was bleeding on an awful lot, but she thought that it was uh, just my, my period figuring itself out. Um, it wasn't until I eventually started to feel really sick and I, I ended up passing out at home one day. It was I lost consciousness and it was very hard to stay awake. And I called um, the emergency room and they came to get me um, in an ambulance and I had two blood transfusions and had to get a second DNC. But still at this point, she thought I just had um, uh, maybe still particles left in and that my body was trying to release it. And that's why that had happened. And I asked her to do, um, I have a friend who's a doctor who suggested that I should get um, checked for any blood clotting disorder. And I asked her to check and she said she did and that everything seemed okay. Um, I know there are many panels that can be done. Um, so I just don't know if maybe she did check, but not for this particular issue. Um, but we did find after the second miscarriage, that's when she got more alerted and thought, okay, something might be wrong. Um, and that's when she referred me to the reproductive endocrinologist and we ran more tests and found the antiphospholipid syndrome issue. Um, Gosh, you have been through so much. I am so sorry. And I just want to say at this point, your page um, and your blog and the way that you give hope to others and you talk so openly about it is so inspiring, um, like your name. Um, And I just think that it's brilliant to be bringing awareness to something that is such a taboo subject, but I don't know why, because it is so common for people to experience loss, as you said. And for people who might be going through loss or recurrent miscarriage, it's um, to hear others who are battling with the same thing must make it a lot easier to bear, but comforting to know there are other others out there feeling the same way. Comforting is definitely the right word. Um, and I think that that's what initiated me doing this because I had a hard time finding the right support um, on social media or, or websites, just resources. I had a hard time finding resources for women who have had miscarriages. And I just, I thought, okay, one in four women experience this. So that, that's, a, that's quite a lot. There have to be women out there that I can connect with, that I can um, feel a sense of community with. And um, I initially just shared because I I was trying to connect with women. Um, And then, you know, I had so many women reach out to me after my first initial post um, a few months ago where I shared that I had had a miscarriage during quarantine. Um, That was my second miscarriage at the time. I went on to have one more after that. Um, And I had so many women just reaching out telling me I've, I've been through this and I feel so alone and I appreciate you saying this. Um, it just makes me feel supported to know that there's somebody out there that understands me. And I felt a sense of responsibility. I felt um, something in me lit up and I just felt like I wanted to help those women. I wanted to make them feel, um, like I said, supported and a sense of community and and encourage them because this can be so hard and I know what it's like to feel kind of defeated. Um, and I, 
I've struggled to lift myself up, but I've done it. It's taken a lot of effort, but it's possible. And I, I'm now so passionate about helping women get back up again after this because it knocks you down. It does, but you don't have to stay down. Um, and that's, I think, my greatest goal through this is to uplift women again and help them carry on um, while still honoring all the feelings and the pain and the struggle, um, but being able to carry on with it because life is beautiful and, and I I, you know, we only get one life to live. I don't want anyone to get stuck in too long of a rut and miss out on life, if that makes sense. Makes total sense. I think that's really a really good way to put it. Um, and I totally admire what you're doing. And I think that, as you said, to give people these resources is so key in the support. I wanted to ask you about your support network. What have been the things that you have found have helped you cope and have picked you back up? And what kind of uh, community or support network have you had around you during this time? Well, first, I'll um, preface by saying that I think that it's different for everybody, right? So what I have done may not work for somebody else. Um, my, uh, I just decided to be completely open about it. And that was very difficult at first. Um, I, I, I was shaking the day that I posted for the first time on social media about my miscarriage um, because I felt extremely vulnerable and I didn't know what kind of response I was going to get or who was going to see that. And um, it just made me feel kind of naked <laughs> um, to put something so personal out there. Um, but it's become my new normal. And I I've, I've connected with a lot of women that have gone through similar experiences that are also sharing their stories on social media. And we talk about how easy it is for us, for us now um, to, to talk about these things. Now we say these things so easily, uh, you know, the words don't have as much um, difficulty to say. I guess what I'm trying to say is the more you talk about it, it seems that the easier it gets to talk about. Um, so for me, it was opening up, um, so that people knew what I was going through because, uh, after my first miscarriage, I didn't tell many people and I, this was pre COVID. So there were a lot of, you know, gatherings and social events, things like that. And I had to just put on a brave face and pretend like I was okay and I got tired of doing that. I didn't want to continue to, you know, put a smile on my face when I was really crying at home at the end of the night. Um, I, I got tired. It was exhausting. So um, it's helped me to just be real and be honest. And now I don't think there's anyone in my circle of family or friends that doesn't know what I'm going through. And because of that, it's opened the door for them to support me however they can. Um, the more vocal I've become about it, um, the more they seem to feel comfortable to approach me about it, to talk about it. Um, and I did receive, you know, flowers and cards. One of my friends got a group of my friends together and they all paid for a tree to be planted in honor of my losses um, in a national park near me. Um, I'm an avid hiker and we love being in the wilderness. 
So that was a very special gift. And they wrote me a letter and sent me the certificate that I could frame. Um, and it was really beautiful. And they wouldn't have been able to do that for me had I not been open about what I was going through. Totally. Um, what, an am- what an amazing group of friends to have thought about something that's so meaningful. Yeah, and I think also I did a post after my um, after I started sharing. One of the posts after that was sometimes I think it was titled uh, "Some of the most hurtful words come with the best of intentions." Um, and I talked about how people can say things that are very hurtful without meaning to, and I pointed out what statements people say that hurt the most. And then I spoke to women in it saying, if you're going through something like this, we have to educate the people in our lives. This is new to them. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to handle this. So it's kind of our, it's unfortunate, but it's our job to tell them what we need from them. And I think that a lot of my, the people in my life read that and it helped them know how to approach me. So I said, you know, it doesn't help me when people say things like, um, everything happens for a reason Mm. Uh, because it's so suggestive of then something went wrong. Then I did something wrong. Um, And it doesn't matter when you're going through a loss like that, you don't care what the reason is. You don't, it doesn't matter. It, It just hurts. And you know, there's not really much people can say other than I'm so sorry. And I'm here for you. If there's anything I can do when you're ready, I'm here for you Um, and just leave a space of love. Um, Other than that, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things people have said um, in passing, not necessarily my friends, but you know, acquaintances that you open up to because I've become very vocal about it. (laughs) So I've heard it all at this point, or I've had women tell me that so-and-so said this to me and um yeah, people can say really hurtful things, but it's not intentional. And I think that's what's the most important thing to remember. Um, they don't mean to hurt you, um, but it, it, so it's important for us to stand up for ourselves and say, um, that actually hurts when I hear that. And I, I'd rather you not say that to me. If you want to make me feel better, it's okay to just say, I'm thinking of you or, you know, I, I don't understand what you're going through, but I'm here for you if there's anything I can do. Totally. And have you managed to say that to anyone face to face or has it all been through education on social media? Um, I haven't really had to say that to any of my friends, but I have had to say that to some of my family members. Um, I think that the closer you are with somebody, the easier it is to say things to them. So, yeah, even like with my mom, uh, she was trying so bad to make me feel better. She know what to say, you know. And I just had to tell her that there wasn't anything she could say. I just needed her to hold me and just be with me and just tell me that I was going to be okay someday, you know, and that's it. Don't try to fix it. Don't, you know, there's nothing that can be said. Just let me be in this because I, it's, it's a space that needs to be honored. It's a moment that needs to be honored. There's no getting through it quickly. Um, For some it's shorter, others it's faster, And that's okay. And I think it's important for me to say that. Um, We all go through these experiences differently. Uh, You asked me if every miscarriage was the same. And I was trying to say each one was different um, and difficult in its own way. The first time was difficult because 
I'd never been through something like that and I didn't know how to feel, but I was encouraged that the next time would be better. The second time was difficult because I didn't expect it to happen again and I felt like my body was failing me. And the third time was just a complete shock. Like, are you kidding me? Three Mm -hmm. times. Um, But now I feel determined to be okay and get through this. Um, The depression and anxiety that's attached to going through this can be um, debilitating. And I know what it feels like to feel kind of, like I said, knocked down. And I've just decided to do my part to honor my feelings, but try to do it while still walking through Um, because I don't want to miss out on more of my life because of this. I totally admire you for being positive like that and looking at, you know, um, life outside of trying to conceive because I think having been there, it's so easy to feel like it defines you and that's all you can think about and it's all you want. You want to do everything in your power to make it happen. And it does feel like life stands still and it does feel like you're missing out. And social events can be really, really tiring and hard when people are happy and you don't feel like that. Um, and you'd give anything to be kind of in their headspace in a way. Um, do you feel like, and I'm going back to your, what you were saying about sometimes people saying things that might be a bit insensitive. I don't think that that normally comes from a bad place. It's just people aren't educated to know what might be hurtful and what is, what is supportive. Yeah. Um, so going back to that, uh, I'd like to go over a few maybe like five things that people say that maybe they can, um, you know, if I say it, they'll recognize that that might be hurtful for someone and they might not say it in the future to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, uh, everything happens for a reason. It wasn't meant to be. That one's really tough. Um, it's just not your time. Um, that wasn't your baby. Your baby will come later. Um, wow. Just relax. It will happen when it's the right time. Uh, And at least you weren't that far along. Those are all really tough to hear. Yeah, I can imagine. Just even hearing them makes me sort of shiver with the thought of how that would feel because, I mean, I'm obviously sensitive to this community, but for anyone, surely that is not going to be a helpful comment. Um, But it's people, isn't it, trying to find something to say. And it might be because they're feeling anxious and they just feel awkward and don't really know what to say. I wanted to ask you about that because you said that at first you said loss or losses and with time you say miscarriage so how how has that changed for you in terms of talking uh with that terminology and and the difference of reaction well there's still my losses you know i i feel like i've lost something each time um but I don't feel so ashamed about saying miscarriage. I think that I've been able to understand that it's something that's happened to me um, and not something that I did. Why do you think you or people may feel a sense of shame with miscarriage? Well, I definitely think that it's revolving around the fact that people don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And even my doctor said to me after my, uh, when I was pregnant the second time, she said, don't tell anybody yet. Um, wait, because we're not in the clear yet. And we have built this culture. Um, obviously, like that was just her opinion. And I took it with a grain of salt because I'm going to make my own decisions. And I know what's best for me when it comes to something like that. Um, but even her saying that to me uh, could be kind of dangerous for someone who has a lot more, um, gives a lot more authority to the doctors in their life. Yes. Um, so you know, oh, well, my doctor said I shouldn't, so I won't, you know, um, I knew that that wasn't what I needed to do. Um, so we, like I was saying, we created this culture of keeping it secret until it's safe. But then it, if something happens, you have nobody to go to for support because you've been keeping this secret. So now you have to tell somebody, hey, guess what? I was pregnant. Um, you know, I have good news and bad news. I was pregnant, but I'm having a miscarriage. Um, and that's a lot to unload on somebody who didn't know that you were even going through a pregnancy in the first place. Um, I agree. So we, yeah, we encourage keeping it a secret until it's safe because I don't know why. I don't know why we make women feel like they shouldn't share it. Um, until it's safe because you don't want to tell people in case you end up miscarrying. Mm. But then that means that you're left to deal with that completely by yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, as you said, you know, you said after your first loss and um, maybe after this, I'm not sure, but there's a sense of, was it something feeling like, was it something that I did or didn't do? And of course that's not the case, but is that, is that an emotion that you did feel and how do you kind of overcome that? Oh, absolutely. Especially after the first loss. Uh, the more, you know, I've done a lot of research now to understand how all of this works, um, statistics, uh, reading other women's stories. And I remember after my first loss, my doctor said, oh, it's common. And I thought, but why is it common? What are we doing? What are we drinking? What's in our water? Is it the environment? Is it pollution? <laughs> is it the chemicals? Why is this happening to so many women? Um, and I've learned to understand that babies are miracles. And there are so many things that can go wrong while one of them is being created. And sometimes there are abnormalities or issues. And that's many times why women have miscarriages. Um, it doesn't, unfortunately, not every embryo that's created will uh, turn into a baby. Um, so I've learned to make peace with that. Um, and that's helped me relieve some of the guilt that I carried. Um, but yeah, initially it was, what did I do wrong? Did I not take the right, did I not eat enough? Um, did I not, you know, drink enough um, vitamins? Like, what did I do wrong? And I think that that comes from a sense of trying to have control over it. Because if, if you can pinpoint what you did wrong, then you can avoid doing it again. And therefore, you know, um, raise your chances of it not happening to you again. Um, that's where my, my, my uh, blame came from, trying to find control, really. Um, and once I accepted that these are things that just unfortunately happen, it gave me 
my piece back. Um, but I will say there are definitely, I, I recommend um, for anybody that's struggling through recurrent loss or um, infertility to read the book. Uh, it starts with the egg. Yeah. It's one of the resources that I um, read to try to understand uh, what I could do to optimize my egg quality because uh, it, it can make a difference. It's scary to say that because I don't want anyone to put blame on themselves if they don't do something, if they didn't take a certain supplement and feel like, oh, that's why. Um, but if you're looking to optimize your health and put yourself in a better position, there are lifestyle changes that can be made that can possibly help with fertility. I think that's all great. Really, really helpful stuff that you said. Thank you for sharing that. And actually, um, that book is one that is talked about a lot within the um, fertility community, isn't it? So how has your relationship been with your husband throughout this? How have you both been dealing with it? And how have things been together? Well, um, I think that we are very fortunate that I have a background in psychology and I'm a certified relationship coach. So I have the tools to help me manage through this. Um, but I always say, I, just because I have the tools doesn't mean I have a magic wand. <laughs> I'm still mm -hmm. human. So it's taken adjustments. Um, I think primarily both of us just understanding that this is experienced differently from each perspective, right? Like he has a different perspective than I have on, on this. Um, also, it's me going through hormonal changes and um, physical changes. Um, so it, it takes a little bit of a heavier toll on me um, just because there's more involved in the process for me. Um, but still, there's a lot that I've learned about him too and this feeling of like kind of helplessness, you know, watching me as his wife going through this and really not feeling like there's much that he can do to make me feel better. So yeah, just talking about all of that has been important, you know, and understanding that um, sometimes you're not going to hear what you want to hear. You know, for instance, when we had our first loss and I wanted to try again immediately and he needed to have, sit me down and have that conversation of maybe we should wait a little bit. That was hard. That was a hard conversation to have. I did not want to hear that. You know, I was kind of blinded by my uh, desire to have a baby again, to, to fill this void that I now felt. Um, but he was right with what he said to me. And it was hard to hear it. And I cried and I was like, you don't want a baby. <laughs> you know, I had my moment. And he was like, honey, hear me out. You know, I think that it's for the best to wait a little bit. And as much as it hurt, it was, it was true. And now I'm, I'm glad that we did because if we were going to have another miscarriage, it would have happened, you know, just before our, our wedding. And I probably wouldn't have felt great. You know, I would have been really sad. And I, you know, luckily wasn't focused on that, you know, it, that didn't end up happening. And so I had a great wedding and it was in February, this February on Valentine's day, just weeks before COVID. Um, and wow. it's, it was an amazing, um, memory. Um, we had a, a great time. It was a very intimate wedding, just I think 23 of us, um, in Mexico. And, uh, those memories kind of keep me going, but those moments, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have had that moment. So we ultimately made the right decision. But what I'm 
you know, trying to say is, uh, those conversations can be hard. So I think understanding that, you know, communication isn't just, um, talking about things. It's being prepared to say things that are hard and being prepared to hear things that you don't necessarily want to hear, of course, with respect and kindness. Um, but yeah, you have to be willing to give that safe space to each other to be really honest about what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Um, and I always suggest to go into those conversations and first say, okay, hey, we're going to talk about this right now, but let's just remember we're on the same page. We're a team. We're in this together. We have the best of intentions. So we're not, if, if I say something that hurts you, know that that's not my intention. Um, but, you know, just know that I'm coming from a good place. It's great advice. Also, I hear people, well, I've actually um, interviewed um, a man um, around miscarriage and his feeling was sometimes his perspective was sometimes it felt as though it was all about how was his partner. Um, Mm -hmm. And he just wanted people to ask him how he was doing as well, because of course the woman, as you said, is, is experiencing it um, psychologically as well as physically. Um, Whereas there is for men that sense of lack of control and not knowing what perhaps what to do or what to say to try and make it better and feeling like they have no, no involvement in it, I guess. Yeah, I think that it's, that's why I'm saying it's so important to recognize they might experience it the same or differently and creating that safe space for them is important. Um, we do have to recognize that they are, uh, going through this with us. Um, so I know some couples, you know, it's, it's different. Every relationship goes through this differently. Some women feel like their husbands mourn just as much as they do. Other women feel like their husbands are kind of disassociated from it. Um, I get all sorts of messages from women um, going through this. And one of this is a great question because one of the questions I get asked the most is uh, how do I deal with this with my relationship? Like, how do we get through this? Um, because most couples never have to know many, many, many couples never know what it's like to struggle with infertility or with miscarriage. Uh, you don't sign up to get, you know, get married thinking that you're going to end up having a miscarriage or struggle with infertility. And so you don't have the tools. You don't know what that's going to be like. You know, you're taught to talk about money and religion and, uh, you know, in-laws, things like that. So you're kind of mentally prepared for how you'll deal with that, but you don't prepare yourself to deal with this. Um, so it's a, day-by-day, step-by-step work in progress together. I think that's great advice. Thank you for, again, for your openness. And um, I think that, as you said, your your background in um, relationships and um, thinking about the psychological side of things really, really helps with that. Um, So what's next? What are the next steps for you guys? Well, it's been about four months since I had my last miscarriage, and I took some time to 
really get healthy. Um, I went through depression and anxiety and I had a really hard time admitting that to myself. I kept saying, I'm okay, I'm okay. But I lost, um, I'm a petite frame and I lost, uh, I was like a hundred pounds. Um, normally I'm closer to 108, 110. So that, that's a lot for my body. Um, you know, I was sleeping a lot during the day, taking little cat naps and just felt uh, fatigued. And I started to see all the signs of, okay, I think I'm a little depressed. Um, and I told my husband, this time it was me. Um, I said, okay, let's uh, wait. Let's wait a few months. I need to, I need to be me again. Um, and I've just focused on feeling good mentally and feeling like myself again, aside from the fertility stuff, you know, just finding things that make me feel like me again, um, and eating healthy, doing supplements, exercising, and trying to gain back my weight, which I have done, um, in the last four months, I'm back to, um, 108, which makes me feel healthy. Um, and that gives me confidence in my body. It gives me confidence in moving forward now. So we're actually going to start trying um, in the next few weeks when it's possible. Um, and we'll see what happens. But I'm going into it optimistic and very hopeful. And I've just decided as hard as it is, um, because it's not easy to not have anxiety about it. Uh, I do. I have to work through it every day. But um, I'm going to focus on just being optimistic and positive and hope for the best. And if, unfortunately, something goes wrong, then I will deal with it then. But I have uh, convinced myself that I need to believe that it can happen. And I need to believe in my body and in my future baby and create this energy in my body of receiving it. You know, I feel like if I go into it terrified and thinking that it's not going to work, that's, it just seems like I'm creating a hostile environment in my body. And, um, and I just don't feel like that's going to attract um, what I want. So I guess I'm using the power of manifestation, um, visualizing myself pregnant, visualizing myself holding my baby. I've even tried to visualize what it'll kind of look like. And just going into it thinking and hoping for the best. And obviously I'm not, um, I know that there's a possibility, but I will deal with it then. If, if it comes to that, then I'll cross that bridge when I get there. I don't want to put myself through the pain or sadness of something that hasn't happened yet. That's unfair to me. I've gone through enough already. So I want to enjoy this. I want to allow myself to enjoy trying and getting pregnant as much as I can, even though it, it like I said, that doesn't mean it's easy, but I just want to give myself that chance. Your words are just amazing. I'm so glad that we've had this conversation because just honestly listening to you, I just feel like it will be, for so many people who are going through something similar, it will be just what they need to hear. Um, so thank you for being so open and so honest and for everything that you do to raise awareness around baby loss, miscarriage, and, you know, to, to help break the stigma around it too. And wishing you and your husband all the best for what happens next. And thank you again for speaking today. 
Oh, thank you so much. That makes me feel great. Um, helping women through this is definitely the silver lining. I never expected for this to happen the way that it has, but it definitely has become my purpose. I feel so passionate about encouraging women and helping them get through this and helping them see that life can be lived even after loss. Um, so thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this experience with you. I hope that anybody that needs this, um, finds it and that it uplifts them and helps them feel just a little bit better.